I'm Stargate Pioneer. I'm Haley. And I'm Lauren from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. A podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other podcasts at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. It's the Digital Soup Podcast with Jason, Adam, and usually Dave. Featuring lots of geek talk about technology, movies, music, gaming, and more. And your first mic, Jason! (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Welcome to Digital Soup, everyone. This is the only podcast that has not been accused of harassment of women. Yet... Yeah, the only one. <laughs> oh. The only one. Every other one has been accused, but not That's, us. Is that because we're all too nerdy to, to know no, women? No, because we respect women. Not like That's that right. Kevin Spacey guy. <laughs> Anyways. Kevin Spacey? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he harassed a boy. Oh, let's see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Moving yeah, on. That was really bad. All right. Well, anyway, my name is Jason. And joining me in this next hour of knowledge spreading is Adam and usually Dave. How bees it, gentlemen? <laughs> Beeswax. Doing well. Doing well. Doing good. <laughs> Absolutely. Doing good. Stuffed up with a cold, so I apologize for my voice sounding like this tonight, but yeah, we'll make like it that. through. This is like a throwback to episode one where Dave sounded like a uh, uh, crap during our <laughs> Nintendo special. <laughs> yeah. I do like that you rolled your R on that. Crap. Yeah. Crap. That means <laughs> I, just, I sound like a fancy turd. <laughs> yeah. You know what's interesting? I, I just watched Braveheart again. Great movie, by the way. Yeah. And the, the guy playing the king actually rolls his R's because he's like, these forces have routed the la 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 la, whatever he's talking about. I'm like, yeah, that guy really rolled his R's. <laughs> well, so did, so did Mel Gibson because it was all like, freedom! Ruffles have ridges! Oh, no. So, yeah, I made him sound Jamaican. Don't ask. <laughs> Next topic. Rappers <laughs> right. man. My name is William Wallace. I am here to about the freedom. I don't well, know what I'm doing. that's better than your uh, Irish Minnesotan, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I'm from Minnesota. You better represent. <laughs> sure. Sure, it is snowy outside. It is a little snowy for you guys. What's not today's riddle here? today? <laughs> well, we're not we're not to the rule yet. Let me let me tell everybody what we're gonna do, man. Let's do that. I'll show. Uh, we do have a pack show for everyone today. Um, we're gonna be discussing the latest release of a mathematician's favorite cellular device. Uh, there is absolutely no justice out there for the Justice League. And what's this about a backflip and robot? You better watch your back, Gabby <laughs> Douglas, because this robot is gonna take your medals. Right. Uh, and, and much, much more going on here. But uh, <laughs> we have a little special announcement. I want to shoot this on over to usually Dave. Uh, why don't pew, you pew. inform us what's going on? <laughs> yeah. So as you guys know, if you're keeping track of the numbers right now, we are in episode 49. That's what you're listening to as we speak. 
And next week, that means that we have our big episode 50 coming up. And to kind of tease that a little bit, we wanted to just let you guys know, make sure you tune in next week because we do have a special guest lined up. We're bringing them back on the show. We're not going to tell you who it is at this point, but we do have a special guest that's lined up. So barring anything unforeseen, we'll have a, a fourth person joining us on the mics next week. But Chad. Yeah, Chad's going to be here. But, <laughs> Live um, in studio. <laughs> I hope he's in your studio, not mine. <laughs> but we also have a very, very cool giveaway from a company that we've talked about a couple times on this show already, and we were in contact with them, and they're going to be giving away two different uh, very awesome prizes. And so we are going to have that contest going. We'll let you know all about that. It's going to require a little bit of effort from you guys, the listeners, though not much, just very little. And we've got a special discussion around that next week as well. So stay tuned for that. We do want everyone to make sure and take part in that and, and be on the lookout for it because we're excited about it and we want to be able to give you guys, our super friends that have been listening to us for a long time and those who are brand new to us, a chance to walk away with some pretty awesome I don't know, what would you say, geeky or tech-related uh, service that we're, we're going to be uh, giving away here over the next few weeks. So let's get into the yeah. show. What, what Hopefully do you say? I can win it. I want to win it. Yeah. Right. I want to win as well. Yeah, well, we, we're not eligible, of course. Dang, you know? dang it. Let's be generous. Give it away to our listeners. That's what we want to do. Give it away, give it away, give it away now? Yeah, now. No. In, <laughs> in five weeks. No. Okay. <laughs> give it away, give it away, give it away. So what do we got for today? We got a riddle, don't we, Dave? We've got a riddle, so I'll give this to you guys. It might be easy, but we'll see what it is, and you guys can answer at the end of the show. The riddle is, I pass before the sun, but leave no shadow. What am I? Hmm. It could be a trick question. Now, how do you spell sun? S-U-N. Oh, okay, so the the, the like burning the, ball of gas. Okay, yeah. I understand now. Yeah, pass before the burning ball mm. of gas but leave no shadow what i have I? a couple of answers so i can't wait to get to the all end right. of the show because i have two that i think might work all right all right did we get anyone sending in anything to try and stump the soup mm. uh we did get uh, uh somebody mentioned something on twitter but we don't have the answer so oh okay, okay. so maybe we'll use that for next week okay sounds good so mm. listeners if you have any more uh riddles to try and stump the soup be sure and send them in, and we'll use them on the show as well. So what's the news for this week? I know we got a couple follow-ups to start things off, right? Yeah, let's let's cover those. Uh, just a couple of quick little stories there. Sure. Uh, we had started talking, uh, last, I think it was just last week, we talked about both of these, wasn't it? Yep. I think so, yeah. Star Wars, Battleground 2. Uh, Battlefront, wrong. sorry. Oh, yep. I said the wrong uh, game name. I'm sorry. Oh, somebody, somebody hit me with a lightsaber. <laughs> Classic Jason. <laughs> Wait, hold on, I got a sound effect for this. Okay, let's hear it. Oh, nice. <laughs> so anyway, uh, everybody was up in arms after uh, Battlefront uh, Two came out because of microtransactions and having not having to, but having the ability to purchase some of the uh, characters that you had to work 40-plus hours to unlock. And, uh, well, the company has backtracked on that. Dave, you you wrote the story up, so why don't you tell me what it is? Yeah, basically, after the intense amount of outlash on uh, Reddit that Adam was telling us about last week, and I'm sure it got even worse, um, they, they saw a lot of pressure from all fronts, actually, 
And basically, they, they initially backed down and said, we're going to drop the price of in-game credits to purchase those legends or, you know, like Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, those unlockable characters. Well, people were still outraged. And so EA ended up doing exactly what Jason recommended before in going ahead and essentially getting rid of all microtransactions on the actual release of Battlefront 2. Because when all of this was coming out, this was just for the people that had the pre-release or early release through that Origins, uh, I think it's called Origin, um, early release phase of the game. And so for the official release to the general public, they eliminated all microtransactions for now until they can mm-hmm. basically figure out a way to do it where it's not going to irritate people. you know? Because essentially what, what it all boils down to is the way it was set up was it was that whole play-to-win strategy or pay-to-win strategy where... It affected I never the play gameplay. to win. I just I like to play to lose. <laughs> right. We well, know. I mean, what it is is though it, it affected the gameplay where people could just throw cash at it and ruin the experience for everyone else. Whereas a lot of the other games that do these microtransactions, they're going to do things like you can spend some money to unlock a new costume or cosmetic things, you know, stuff like that, where it doesn't have an impact on the game, but you know, as far as being able to play it or giving you an advantage, it's just a a decoration basically and so most likely you're going to see these microtransactions come back but in a way that it's going to do something to you know for customization of characters but nothing that'll impact gameplay at this time of course the internet being the internet some stupid people took things way too far they were sending death threats over twitter to the game developers and all of that extremely uncool and that's not something we would ever ever recommend um you know, it's one thing to voice your opinion and let let EA know that, hey, this isn't cool. You're, you know, just, you know, I don't want to use that term. I was going to say the R word, but you're just pillaging our wallets and, you know, asking us to keep paying more and more. But when you start sending death threats, I mean, let's be real. It's just a game. You don't even have to yep. buy it if you don't want it. So, yeah, every, that's everybody does crazy. need to kind of relax over this. Yeah, you know, it's not the worst. Chill. There's been worse things in the world. Um, right. Interesting, though, can you imagine the marketing department at EA that was like, oh, we're going to make so much money in, in microtransactions, and right. this happens, they're like, oh, I guess I'm not going to have Christmas presents this yeah. year. <laughs> well, and that's some, of the, that's some of the controversy, I guess you'd say right now, is because what's ended up happening is that some reports are coming out saying, well, it was EA deciding to get greedy and put all these microtransactions in there and do all of that. Meanwhile, EA is pointing the finger at Disney and Lucasfilm saying, no, Disney Lucasfilms came to us and said, hey, we want you to turn these microtransactions into this and this, to, you know, so we can gain more money from this. So there's a lot of finger pointing going on within the company right now. And not that it matters. What it matters is, you know, really for the you know, end user, the, the consumer of the game. But yeah, the companies themselves, there seems to be a little bit of an issue right now between, you know, the heads of EA and, and Disney Lucasfilm. And so, you know, kind of well, a here's, crazy situation. Yeah, here's here's the, you know, one of the st- stupid things that I'm thinking about right now with, with these companies here is this game's going to make a, a lot of money, uh, just like the first one right. did. This it, Star Wars anything is a moneymaker. Yep. So and you make a great game out of Star Wars and you're really going to make a lot of money. So these these companies are not going to be hurting at all. No. Why are they even messing with microtransactions? Why are they like, well, we don't want the 27 billion we're going to make. We want to make another 20 billion. I mean, right. I understand they're out there to make money. Companies aren't just doing this, you know, for the love of the game. They want right. to make money. But 
yes, you can almost look at this like a little bit of greed. It's like going to McDonald's and ordering your Big Mac, and uh, they're like, well, you know, uh, to get the the lettuce is going to be like an extra ten cents. You could work to get that lettuce. You could go grow it yourself, chop it up, wash it, and put it on there. But people aren't going to do that. They want to get right. it right away right. with their Big Mac. So they're they're just being greedy. That's me saying that, uh, not Digital Soup specifically. Yeah, I mean, me because you know I, I can't think... afford that. I got kids. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I think with with that Big Mac analogy, we need to turn this over to a resident expert in that. So Adam, what? <laughs> what news do you have? I love for me a big Mac. Big Mac, the fitness burger of choice for you. Oh, what's your take on this? Well, my take on this is that I'm reading the EA website right now, and yeah. of course they're very apologetic, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I do think people really get up in arms over over this, maybe a little more so than they should. It is a company, a for profit, selling a game, right? And this isn't something new, but I mean, it's a. I agree with the, with the outrage over it, but not maybe not that level because kind of going back to the death threats and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, death is threats are not stupid. appropriate. Um, their response is really saying there, and I'm reading this right off their site. The ability to purchase crystals in game will become available at a later date. Yeah, only after we've made changes to the game. So they're going to bring this back anyway. They're not letting it go, and who, yeah. who knows what that means? But <laughs> this is. <laughs> This is kind of, I don't know, I'm almost laughing at some point because it's, I, I have the original Battlefront, like I said, mm-hmm. and this is just like, wow, this really, really backfired just from the online community. It's almost right. like a, and every response they make is getting critiqued no matter which way you right. look at it. So I want to ask Adam specifically, I guess, because he played the first one. Uh, uh, the first one was strictly online. There was no single player mode, correct? There's no single player mode, but I get. Let me put it this way: there's that's no, the first one I'm talking there, about. The second one you said does have a single player mode, right? Yeah. Well, there's there's like no story mode in the first one, but okay. you can still like single play skirmish and that like stuff. Like with bots just, and stuff. Yeah, you can still okay. do that, but not. There's just no. There's no storyline. Well, right? here's here, here's my question on this: it's it, taking a look at because it's an online multiplayer game with uh, two two sides right you you uh you have the dark side and the force right you know whatever how they break uh, the it force up. is part of the, the dark side i understand part of the force. how do they I break mean... it up dark and light <laughs> what, what do they call the two sides yeah it's like meat at kfc the rebels and the uh <laughs> what <laughs> light or dark kfc bucket yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they call it a drumstick or a breast, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I get, yeah, yeah. What I'm so, trying yeah, to get... it's the the rebellion and the uh, the alliance, the Imperials, oh, the, Imperials. the Empire. Okay, okay. I, I see. I'm, I'm just. I'm not a nerd. I'm from the outside here. I'm you know. Okay. I'm I'm Joe Sports guy. So I don't know about these gaming things, but right. <laughs> and yeah, these yeah, like yeah. geeky things. Uh, no, but anyways. What my question is, with these microtransactions, like uh, we were talking about earlier, it it makes sense if it's like just a cosmetic thing. But is this going to give somebody a a major advantage? Like, are they going to be able to get, uh, say, a a quad lightsaber that's going to just cut through everybody if they pay a hundred dollars with the way it's set up right now? Yeah, because when you buy those those high end characters it's going to give you the advantage of having a super powered character that you can play against everyone else who's still still using their low leveled lower tier character cuz they're not willing to spend the cash to just buy it see and that that is bad i mean that yeah. should not happen i just i can't say for sure that's how it works because when unlocking a hero doesn't mean you get it the whole time while you're i mean if you just played as darth vader in the multiplayer you're just going to keep annihilating everybody the way it works with the 
the original Battlefront is you'd kind of pick up this icon thing and then you could choose a hero for a short time until you died and then you could go back to being a regular character. Okay. Oh, do you, okay. But I don't know about how it works in the new one. I have I have no idea. All right. Well, uh, you know that, that's I'm just confused because I I don't I've never played the game, so I was just wondering about the extent of these microtransactions and how unbalanced it would make all gameplay. Yeah, it's a good point. I, sorry. Yeah, cause everybody that pays for the microtransaction suddenly it's like Han Solo and Luke Skywalker on one team versus like a stormtrooper. That's gonna go well. Or to yeah. throw it to uh, you know Star Trek would be like. Uh, you know, all the main characters on one side and all the red shirts on the other side. <laughs> I think there should be a special mode where suddenly everybody switches sides and, like, Luke Skywalker is suddenly a Sith Lord with a red saber and Darth Maul is a good guy. Well, just wait until the next movie comes out. Yeah, that... Oh. When are they ever going to have the Star Trek Star Wars mashup? I'd love to see, like, Borg Stormtroopers. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that that get went nowhere, I guess. Well, well, you know me, I'm not a Trek fan. I know of them. I know of the Borg, but I'm not a big yeah. fan. So. Well, they might just, that would be kind of a patch if they did that. Yeah. But speaking of patches. Yeah, patch. Hey! The iPhone X is patched and ready for the cold. So uh, I think that probably because of our hashtag Apple Cider dongle. Yeah, clearly it was that. It sounds like Apple may have issued this patch and fixed it. Yep. So that's cool. Uh, yeah, who knows? Not literally. <laughs> Not a lot that we need to say about that, really, other than just that, yeah, it seems that Apple has addressed the issue on the iPhone X and the screen becoming unresponsive in the cold. So mm. hopefully, from all reports, it's supposed to have fixed it. I haven't haven't read much else on it. Okay, I'm not a programmer. I'm not going to pretend to be a programmer. Okay. But I cannot wrap my little brain around how some code can fix an issue where a screen becomes unresponsive because of temperature. What yep. kind of programming and can fix that? So if your phone or your device is is recording temperature and sending that data back to the operating system and you have a routine or an algorithm in there or some kind of function or code that's saying if the temperature is this, then do this or whatever, it's probably getting stuck in that mod. It's it's not related to the actual temperature of the device because, like you said, the, or I mean, let me rephrase it's that. It's like an O2 sensor in your car. It's not like it got too cold and there was a hardware issue. It got The, the temperature changed and your it's, your phone received this new set of data, did something funky with it. Well, so that's still that still baffles my mind. That uh, okay, so it's it's registering the temperature, and it's saying okay because it's this cold, shut the screen off. Yeah, don't <laughs> let them touch it. It's too hot. It might it becomes brittle. <laughs> They'll press on it. It'll shatter. Yeah, we don't want their finger to legit. get stuck to it like the kid who licked the flagpole in Christmas Story. <laughs> it's gonna be a bad deal. <laughs> You often lick the screen of your phone? <laughs> oh, I have licked the screen of a phone once. It was horrible. That sounds yes. like a terrible choice. So Apple did not say exactly what they fixed. They just said, fixed an issue where iPhone X screen becomes temporarily unresponsive to the touch after a rapid temperature drop. Yep. Problem solved. We're good. Yep. All right. Next. Next, next up. N- next question. I mean, so we've heard about the plus symbol and the plus sign. Yeah. What, have we, what do we know about OnePlus? Because I don't know anything about it, but I just transitioned over to it. You one plus any number, it increases by one. It's amazing! Yeah. Huh. What this, is one plus 172 billion? 172 billion, billion and one. And three. Whoa! <laughs> so it looks like this is a new phone called the OnePlus 5T. Dave, yep. what do you got for us? Well, Jason, I know you're familiar with the OnePlus line of phones, and this is just the most recent in- entry in their line 
which is set to compete based on what they're saying with the likes of the new Samsung Galaxy, uh, the Apple iPhone X, um, the Galaxy S8, and all of that Google Pixel 2 XL. It's a large size phone. But what they're saying is that it's 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 offering a lot of the same performance and benefits and even some areas even better. For example, battery life of like 34 hours, which is crazy. That's and a lot of uh, hours. you know, it is running on <laughs> it is running on Android. It's on an older version of Android, although it sounds like through a update coming up in the near future, they'll be upgrading that to the full Android Oreo, I think is the newest. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's on Nougat right now, so it's not like it's super old or no, anything. No, and they're saying that, you know, from, from all accounts in this review I read over here on The Guardian, and I read a couple other articles about it as well, you know, it's, it's really rivaling the high-end features from the iPhone X and the Samsung Galaxy 8, the Pixel 2 XL at a fraction of the price really and so it's kind of something interesting to watch because if it can do all of that it'd be really nice to see another another competitor enter that market that's going to perform as well as some of these you know real expensive options and and give people a little more cost effective way to get into a high-end phone without having to break the bank on it i mean I love my Apple ecosystem with my phone set up. I'm a PC guy when it comes to my computers, but I love the Apple phone ecosystem, and I'm mm-hmm. very invested in it with all of my photography work and everything else. That being said, looking at the way they're talking about this phone, it made me almost curious enough to look into saying, I wonder if I can get that for fairly cheap, try it out for you know a year or so and see how it goes. But The only, the only big thing it's lacking is water resistance. Yeah. Yep, that's true, and I I don't. Well, with the number of things you dive into, this would be a dangerous. Buy. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Well, you know where it where it would impact me is though I I do a lot of um, filming outside, you know, with with the video features on my phone, and I'm in the snow and I'm in the rain. You know, if it's pouring rain, I'm not going to be out there. But if it's a mist and drizzle, things like that, I'll still shoot. And I know my my iPhone 6s Plus has gotten pretty drenched, and you know, just drizzle and and like. This uh, this deer season, even when I was out in the woods, the opening weekend, it was sleeting and raining, and phone was just getting you know soaked. Anytime I'd pull it out for anything there too, and it's still working just fine. So that you is, just need an otter box. Yeah, you could always get an otter box or like the the life proof cases or any yeah. of those other brands. Uh, the cool thing about it though, this One Plus Five T, they have kept the headphone socket at the bottom, so it's one oh, of the last top end smartphones to still have one. Yeah. Now, there is one thing I do want to mention to any uh, prospective purchasers of this, and it's very unusual for an Android phone, but you iPhoneers, you don't know any better. I'm just going to say. Okay. You're in the dark. You're oh, that's nice. Ignorant of the possibilities out there. We but get there it. Is... We're a drumstick. <laughs> there, There is no expansion. There's no SD card slot. Um, so you have to make sure that you purchase as much uh, memory as you can when you get it. So there's only two different versions: a 64 gig one and 120. Wait gig now, one. let me let me see if I'm following. You're saying there's no expansion, so us iPhone users would be in the dark on this. We don't. Well, no, it. you don't understand the 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 awesomeness it is to throw in SD cards. Oh, okay. To That's expand say. Wait your a memory. Minute. That's exactly how an iPhone is. We can't <laughs> expand it. What are you talking about? <laughs> Sorry, I was a little vague there, but um, yeah, I mean that's huh. that's one of the the coolest features that uh, you know Android has had ever since the advent of the Android phone. 
was that you can expand the memory later on. You were not held hostage right. by, we'll call it the Apple tax, because only Apple does it. Uh, you buy an 8-gig one, and it's going to be three ninety nine. You want to double that to 16 gigs. We're going to throw another $200 on there. What? I can get a 128-gig SD card for 50 bucks. Right. You're going to charge me 200 for an extra eight? Yes, if you're invested in the ecosystem. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, that's I was ready to get a, get away from Apple, but, you know, came down to convenience of... It would be my, a hard you know, switch. Wife and I both using it and getting used to it, you know, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. I mean, if we could have all that extra stuff, I tell you what, we'd be doing backflips. I, I tried it once. I landed on my head, got a concussion. Mm. Oh, that explains it. Yeah. Hey, I once did that, uh, and I landed on my head, and I got a concussion. <laughs> oh. What? Oh, it's funny that I got a concussion. Yep, yep. Speaking of that, I did a backflip once. I landed on my head, and I got a concussion. You sound like a robot. <laughs> so Zorp. a robot did a backflip, and this is kind of cool. Over at Boston Dynamics, their, uh, their Atlas can perform backflips, and... This is kind of a cool uh, robot that they're they're developing, and it's kind of this robot right now that just kind of hops around. But it, you know, a lot of the now it does a backflip, but I'm sure it can do more at some point. I think uh, one of the challenges with any of these kind of robotics projects is, you know, having the the robot understand where it is in a space. You know how much force to apply to move its body, the whole nine yards, and visual acuity and stuff like that. It's got to be a real challenge, right? Well, here's my, why are we teaching robots how to backflip? I mean, uh, teach them how to use a vacuum cleaner. How about a mop? How about how to cook dinner? What am I going to buy a robot for to do backflips? I'm going to be sitting on the porch. Hey, uh, do another backflip. Expand your horizons. <laughs> Picture this. I, I don't need a backflipping robot. <laughs> well, you just wait. How You're about a robot, one. not a robot? <laughs> robot. Ro- 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 I need a backflipping robot. No, I. <laughs> so, I robot. This just looks fun to me. What? I mean, the fact that they've got this thing too. When you watch the <laughs> the video on this, I'm, I started just laughed at this one. Um, you watch some of the video clips and stuff, and they they have it doing a series of basically plyometric jumps. If you know what that is. Uh, it's a series of you jump up on boxes, up and down, and it gets to the last one, does the backflip over and lands it, puts its arms up in celebration. But if you go all the way down on the on the link we're going to share with you. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. They, that's what I started laughing at. The thing does a backflip, can't get the balance, and kind of leaps forward. <laughs> and it's just like a drunken, it's like watching those it, epic it, fail videos. It looks someone, like an actual person. Which yeah. is, I know what they're what they're kind of going for is let's yeah. get this thing to actually act like a human. Yeah, and it's um, like they just bounced off a trampoline out the side of the swimming yeah. pool or something. And- Do you think they're programming the number one like Asimov's rule for robots, which is like never harm a human or by inaction cause a human to be oh, harmed? Geez, you'd hope so. You'd hope so, but that's a scary part. I mean, on a serious note, with Facebook and other groups looking into the AI. And they're really, really looking to push and develop that to high levels to the point where Facebook had to shut their stuff down temporarily because it developed its own language. And then you've got robots that are extremely agile like this. Can can anyone else just see the writing on the wall? I mean, military use is what I'm thinking. Oh, and yep. then they're going to do it with style because they're backflipping all over the place. Yeah, not only will they just come in and be unstoppable and just mow everybody <laughs> down, they're going to be doing it like ninjas for exactly. crying out loud, dropping out so, a... 
trees and nooks and crannies. Deadly ninja robots <laughs> with hilarious fails. That, that yeah. last video where it does the backflip and <laughs> jumps forward and falls over. The- so yeah, <laughs> it's so good. If you're listening, go into the show notes, check out the robot doing backflips link. It is awesome. Yeah, watch scroll um, all the way down to that last. Video. It's it's amazing to watch it do the actual backflips and the tech behind that, but. That last one makes it worth the price because it's so. I, I've been watching it on loop, just laughing this whole time. That's so. pretty good. But again, the only reason I can see to actually have a robot be agile like this to be able to do, uh, to judge jumps and all that kind of stuff, because it was jumping off a multiple level boxes. So it was mm-hmm. judging how hard, you know, like you were saying, how much, you know, uh, thrust it was had to give in its legs, et cetera. It, military uh, uses is probably the only thing I could think of where it would want this to be able to uh, traverse, you know, any type of terrain, you know, et cetera. That that's probably what they're hoping for is to get some big military contract, and right. uh, you know, that's the beginning of Skynet. Yeah, um, there's definitely some use for that in military applications, but there are some other applications like um, almost like a service robot or something like that. Yeah. If you let's say you're uh, you're Bill Gates and you're like, robot, go get me a sandwich. And then it just goes and makes you a sandwich because you have the ability to have a robot. Well, let's be real. Robots in today's day and age are going to be just as lazy as people. They'll pick up a phone and (laughs) dial Jimmy Jones. It'll basically be like Bender from Futurama. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, another cool aspect uh, to this, or I should say another cool use, would be for uh, the police force. Uh, They could definitely use this to take it into uh, any type of dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd have to make sure that it's bulletproof. But, of course, you know, they would probably do that. Probably be easy to do. Yeah. I mean, it's made out of steel. <laughs> Why? Why was I programmed to feel pain? Yeah. <laughs> um, guys, I want to talk about the largest digital camera in the world. Yeah. Let's hear it. Is it sort of like the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota? It's mm. th- almost the same over in Darwin, Minnesota. Check it out. Biggest ball of twine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, literally 10 minutes from my house nice. astronomers in california i you know I've, I've been there a couple times and i got a picture of me somewhere where I'm, my brother the building was open my brother and i were in there and we punched it a bunch of times probably shouldn't have <laughs> the super fans are our super friends are going to demand to see an updated photo of their beloved adam standing next to the biggest ball of twine Punching and, it. Uh, we'll, we'll use a bet of Weird Al Yankovic's 12-minute song, The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, camera. There's a giant telescope that's taking shape in Chile yeah. called the Large Synoptic Survey Telescope, or mm. LST. And this, so these astronomers <laughs> in California are building this, and the, what makes this different, and I'm looking at NPR's article here, yeah. is that instead of staring at a tiny patch of sky and mm-hmm. taking one shot at a time, LST will take a panorama of every part of the sky, and their plan is to do it over and over so you can kind of see what's moving or changing as time goes on. So yeah. um, this is kind of a really interesting concept to just, let's just shoot the whole sky. Yep. Pretty phenomenal. This all by itself, um, let's see, 106 times, uh, what are they using, 144 yeah, so, megapixel camera. Yeah, so what it is, they, they've they got uh, 21 of these little units which each one by itself is actually the equivalent of a single 144 megapixel camera. They're stringing together 21 of those. So you've got a huge megapixel range, gigantic panoramic vision, and mounted on a telescope, of course, so it can watch literally the entire sky at once. And so 
very very big project it's, to do i mean yep and I, I already heard that it's got several slots for sd cards yeah <laughs> dual <laughs> dual sd card because we need that i hope it's shooting raw and not jpeg though but here's the cool thing they're expecting by 2020 for astronomers to be able to start using this yeah the camera to study the makeup of the universe um so Hey, I want to know what Stargate Pioneer's take is on this, yeah. if, he, if he ever listens to this show. Um, which I know he, I know he does. Because um, according to Dave, he gets all his news from us. So No. Um, no. <laughs> that's what usually Dave says. Oh, you guys are horrible. <laughs> Just kidding. No. Uh, but this no. is really cool, though. I mean, to be able to, to come up with a telescope that's going to shoot that much of the sky and then... Yeah. To be able to make that accessible for astronomers to study because it's going to be collecting so much data. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of reminds me, and this is a very distantly related, but remember the uh, the plane crash from... Um, Lost? Uh, no, not from Lost. The uh, <laughs> What country was it? This is a few years back. Um, Lord of the Flies. No, real life. Oh, Hindenburg. Oh. It was... I can't remember which All country. The humanity. Hindenburg. Sorry, I didn't respond. I was trying to think. Um, <laughs> ah, now I can't. Th the Malaysia airline flight. That's what it yeah, was. Yeah, the that, missing. That the, the missing. missing. Well, they had at the time they had released all these these images, and they asked the public, you know, please help sift through these, see if you can see anything. There's just so much data to go through, and it's just images after image, all these kind of tiled images of the ocean. And so, if you found something, you you'd click on it and upload, hey, this could be something, and send it on over because they were trying to locate the plane. So, I mean, conceptually, to take and canvas the stars, you know, the sky in a big panoramic and have multiple people be able to get in there and take a look at that data, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, what I want to know is what kind of computer system they're using on the back end of this thing because a single 144-megapixel image is enormous to work with. I've had some Photoshop files that I do these large panoramic stitches of multiple photos, and I've had some files in there that are pushing that range of 140 or, or so megapixels or more, and my computer was choking on it. And to think that they're going to have 21 times that, I mean, a huh. single image is going to be in the terabyte range, or, or you know, maybe so, not quite that big, but <laughs> enormous. I'm going to tell you that the size of the mirror is 27 feet. It's right. the width of a singles tennis court. Yeah. This essentially adds up to a 3,200 megapixel camera, mm -hmm. each image the size of 40 full moons. Yeah. Um, 37 billion stars and galaxies, 10-year survey of the sky, 10 million alerts, thousands of pairs of exposures, 15 terabytes of data every night. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's cray-cray. It's Get this, though. As large as it is, they still have to have accuracy when they're measuring everything and putting it all together. It has to be within two microns, which is about a 20th of the thickness of a human hair, give or take. So even on that large of a scale, it's got to be extremely precise to be able to get a good, clear, in-focus image. Wow. That's crazy. So lsst.org. I am going to add this to our show notes just because... Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of cool to actually see their their real site. Yeah. Um, they do have a whole bunch of things on the overview of this, and if you're interested to, to be able to check it out, um, it's all about their camera, the data, what their goals are with this. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty incredible. They're, more than 30 terabytes of data must be processed and stored each night. That's, That's a lot of terabytes. Yeah. You said that wrong. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I, was in actual, I was in actual awe. It's amazing. 
that's a lot of terabytes. And I can't afford that. I've got kids. <laughs> <laughs> what other catchphrases do I have? Yeah. I don't know. What are your other catchphrases? That's a good question. You've got you've got quite a few. Man. Well, uh, we talked about his, uh, you know, as a fitness whole burger. In his oh, mouth. yeah. The fitness. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> if you are interested in, in how they're actually handling the software and hardware behind the system. Uh-huh. If you go to that website, lsst.org, and they have an about section, then they've got a section on data management mm-hmm. and where they've got system requirements, all kinds of things about the system that they're using. It's pretty incredible. Amazingly enough, they're using a Raspberry Pi 3. Yep. <laughs> Two of them strung together right <laughs> in serial or parallel it, there, there's two of them strung together but that's only because one of them is processing the image the other one they're playing some retro video games on it while it's processing right well i mean the raspberry pi 3 can handle all that right oh yeah i'm not worried quad about core, that 1.3 gigahertz that's a beast. so all their data pipelines are architected to operate on a very small and medium-sized platforms as well as make efficient use of linux clusters with thousands of nodes oof so they're breaking up their uh, their data processing, rightfully so, over a very large network. Yeah. I classify this as rad. Rad. Very rad. <laughs> hey, yeah, this yeah, isn't yeah. our 85 uh, episode, all right? Man? I know, we but I'm bringing it back. We don't use rad outside of that episode. <sighs> Jeez, next thing you know, you're going to be banning smartwatches for kids. Yeah. Probably, because, you know, they're just going to be using them for... Uh, you know, heinous uh, crimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can use heinous, but I can't use red. Very nice. It's discrimination. Yes. All right, who wants yeah. to take this one? I'll, I'll take this one because, oddly enough, I saw this story pop up today uh, when I was out searching for some, you know, extra show prep and stuff like that, and it's a conversation my wife and I just had yesterday. She just got back from Washington, D.C. on a uh, trip she was on for work, and one of the other people that was out there on the trip they were talking because this gentleman had kids about the same age as our kids. And, you know, the, the oldest of his was, you know, begging for a phone and everything else. And, you know, they, the, the, the child was too young, just like we feel for ours. She's just too young to have a phone and everything at this point. This guy was telling my wife about how what he did is they got some of these, um, a smartwatch, basically. So they can text and they can keep in touch. There's a GPS tracker on it so they can monitor where the kids are and everything else. And, this guy was talking about how fantastic it was because it kind of, you know, satiated her need or her desire to want to have that phone because it gave her the functionality she was looking for. And then I see this article come up and it brought some really good points up that I never really thought of about, you know, essentially the um, the security risk to it, the fact that people could hack it and easily find where your children are, you know. And some of those things that I thought was, wow, this kind of blows my mind. And do I really want to strap this on my kid and let it be out there so, you know, any predators could find anyone, you know? So I don't know. And it looks like interesting, you know, and in Germany, there is, it's the, I'm looking for the name of it. The European Consumer Organization, uh, BEUC, warned that a number of the child-friendly smartwatches from the likes of Gator and GPS contain security flaws um, allows, yeah, allows hackers to track the wearers, spoof a child's location, uh, listen in on conversations, compromise the emergency button. This is in an article over on techspot.com that we've got linked up in the show notes. So, um, Germany is, is looking at some regulation to possibly ban them altogether. Well, they're calling it an illegal spying device, which right. it would be if it was used in that purpose. Um, similar to if you called a phone and were able to break through. So it's interesting right. you added this article because I just got two very similar devices. They're called the Gizmo Gadget. Okay. 
from Verizon, mm-hmm. and these are watches for my kids that um, they allow you to have like four contacts in them, mm-hmm. and and you can do the GPS tracking, and you can set it for um, if they don't answer, it'll automatically pick up, and then you can it'll Hear be connected. It'll be connected for a minute. Okay. Um, and the reason you know it's kind of similar reason that we got them for our kids is that. Um, I don't need. They don't need a smartphone because yep. I personally I think the security for a kid in a full blown smartphone is even worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the interaction you can do with it. And this so this gave them a nice you know Verizon connected device. Mm-hmm. And they can only call me or receive calls from me and and my wife and um, another emergency contact. And then they um, like I said you can track it if you want to. And it was it negated the need to have a, have a, to have a different phone. It was only five dollars a month add on. Right. So okay, that's if, what I was going to ask if it just used your same minutes or if it had its own like minutes. Yeah, we just added it to the plan. It's five dollars each device um, to add it to the plan. Of course, you have to purchase the devices. They're about eighty bucks a piece, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they're water resistant and they're actually they're actually Christmas quite present? nice. Hey, there you go. Yeah. No, I mean, is that what you got them for? Uh, no, Christmas I got them. I got them in the summer because you know oh, okay. they're they're getting old enough to to be doing stuff on their own. It's just kind of sure. nice to have, but. Um, this is an interesting article though, because it's it's yeah, I can definitely see how it could be used in that that way. It's a perfect device. I mean, it's a device that all kids should actually have because of how many children are snatched all the time, uh, mm-hmm. be it for whatever reason. Do there need to be some safeguards in it so somebody can't just get into it uh, nefariously? Well, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't. I'm not smart in that respect to figure out you know what kind of security to put on it. But, uh, yes, you have the security in place, and this is definitely something that all kids should have in this day and age. I don't live in a high-crime area. I live in actually a, a smaller town in Ohio. Granted, I'm about an hour away from uh, Cleveland, two hours away from Columbus. So, you know, I'm, I'm not in a bad area, but there are still so many kidnappings yeah. that you hear all the time within an hour or so of around me. So it is. It's a scary time here because I mean, it's horrible to think about it. But they're grabbing these kids for the sex trade. Yep, and And it's 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 horrendous. And maybe this will help us, you know, be able to always see where our child is. Well, I think that's the that's the discomforting thing about this article, though, and that if these are really compromised by a pedophile ring or something like that, now they've got the GPS of your kids. Right. Well, you know what I would do then? I would take my kid's phone. I would put it around the neck or hook it to the collar of a Rottweiler that has been beaten and emaciated, is so hungry and angry, let them come and uh, track down my child, who turns out to be that Rottweiler, and he'll get himself a little lunch. Hmm. Or just wear it yourself. Yeah, so not, am, I, am I who you signed up for? I'm, <laughs> I'm hey, not like a Rottweiler. You, you, could, you could give it to your buddy Chad. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll send all these pedophiles over to Chad. <laughs> Problem solved. Yeah. No, I mean, this. the, the one thing they talked about in here that, that I thought was kind of interesting is how their parents are using those watches to listen in on the teachers in the classroom, um, recording or listening to conversations without permission of all parties involved, um, things like that, where I can see that where, you know, kids getting bullied at school or something like that or having issues so the parents want to, okay, let me just hear what's actually happening at different times. And, of course, then you don't really think about it. It's pretty innocent. But 
suddenly you're just, you know, you're recording someone without their knowledge and breaking the law. So something interesting exactly. to watch, at least, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I didn't mean this to do guy, it. But, yeah, I, I mean, something to watch. I mean, we, we talked before about the, the creepy doll, my friend Kayla, um, which was a Wi-Fi enabled doll that was vulnerable to hackers. And so this is just one more thing that if they've got the proper safeguards could be an excellent tool for parents and, and kids as alike. But at the same time, just something that you really need to be careful with. Just one more thing, you know. Right. And I wonder, I wonder about some of these manufacturers too, because these are the ones that are on this list, you know, that right. uh, the Norwegian council has put together. Yep. And it's like this friend, my friend Kayla and Barbie and some of these things. Um, the device that I got is LG brand. Yep. Um, so, so it's a name. A it's a name better. brand device. It's it's issued through Verizon. That doesn't mean that it can't be compromised. Right. Um, in researching it, I don't see any hacks or anything for it initially through Google searches. But right doesn't mean much. Um, I, I guess there has to be a combination of things though. That if if someone if it's going to be dangerous, somebody has to know whose number it is or whatever. Yep. Now that one that's on the list there, uh, it's like the third one down. Definitely stay clear of that one. The iPutin. Um, I believe <laughs> that that one would probably be compromised. I Why? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Looks good to me. So anyway, uh, <laughs> looks good. Yeah, I, I just got myself the new iPotent. Uh, iPotent. <laughs> iPotent. The iPotent three. <laughs> Goodness gracious! Oh, hey guys, I'm going to transfer our conversation over to something that we teased last week, and kind of a big conversation: um, owning software versus leasing software, aka yeah. the. Let's talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages of either the subscription model or straight up purchasing software. I thought about this as a great story for us to talk about because I have been transitioning over the last few years from owning software to the subscription service. Uh, one of the main ones is I no longer have. The last office I purchased was Office 2013. When it was time to upgrade, I actually went with Office 365 for several reasons. One, I get it for free because I'm a student. But even if I wasn't <laughs> a student... Uh, for several is, reasons, uh, it, it was it, free. It is really worth it, though, because uh, because I'm a student and I get to utilize it for free, I've, I really get to see the benefits of it. Not only do I always have an up-to-date version of Office, yep. I'm never going to fall behind, but because it has the, the fully integrated online um, aspect to it with the downloadable, you know, on your desktop versions, you can use this anywhere at home. You can use it on the actual desktop version. I'm out and about. I just log into my Office 365 account. The same document I was working uh, at home is in my because you could set the same OneDrive. I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself, but yeah, OneDrive, Dropbox. I think probably all of them, Google Drive, etc. So it's always synced. So I can be in a hotel. I don't even have to, uh, you know, have it installed on my laptop. There, I could just use it, you know, through the uh, nope. the web interface. Same right. with them if I'm at a library, etc. You can. It, it's really handy. Yep. And uh, so. I mean, it, and you also get a like a large one terabyte, I believe. With your subscription, you get a, a base one terabyte yeah. storage on OneDrive. So you have a lot of backup uh, space, yep. too, that you can do for a bunch of different things. Um, and I, this is the one piece of software that I'm utilizing almost every day. And I, I truly do think that this is better than just purchasing it outright for this one piece of software. I have to agree, and I think this is a great example. Uh, so Microsoft, for starters, their, their entire model is moving towards cloud. 
So Office 365, all the products, the things that you cited here are a perfect example of why it's not just, you know, consumers that are moving to Office 365 businesses too. Um, you no longer have to, you know, if I'm out of date, it's been four years, let's all rebuy Office, you know, the next Office product. Um, and Microsoft is really building their Office suite to connect to Office 365. So to interact directly with OneDrive, with SharePoint Online, all those things, um, it's it's almost a no-brainer at this point that it's kind of the way to go for everything that you cited. Yep. My and, opinion. And you think about it here, you uh, you might think, hey, I, why don't I just buy it outright? I'll buy it outright, and then you know I won't have to be making this monthly payment. A new version of Office comes out on average probably like every three, four years, something like Correct. that. Correct, yep. Uh, if you were to buy Office today, um, 2016's version, I believe it is, what, six ninety nine. I uh, thought well, I'd read home, home and student is like 150 bucks now. Well, but what's what's it's, it's very limited though. I mean, you get Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and OneNote. Okay, how so, about the 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 big suite, the like the the business suite? How much is that? I thought I read somewhere it was like 5.99 or 6.99 or maybe it was 4.99. Uh, let's see for Office Home and Business 2016, it's 230. That's Outlook, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and OneNote. Um, Four hundred bucks if you want Outlook Publisher Access, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, and OneNote. So like okay. the, the pro so version was, is four hundred dollars. I was guess I was a little bit off. So if you were to break that down into monthly payments over the span of say three years, when you'd have to go and buy a new version, you might be looking at about the same money if you bought it outright or you did a subscription base. Then. Right, because I mean, if you're looking at seventy dollars. Um, basically $70 a year for Office 365, you, you could, you, you'd still be saving a little bit over three years, you know, mm -hmm. for, for that. But like you said, the big difference is you're automatically um, allowed to have the latest version of Office and patching and everything that comes with it and all the online services that are available. Office 365 is more than just the Office products. It is high def video conferencing, especially in the business world. I mean, it's Skype for business. Um, it is the uh there's a whole bunch of other products in there like sway power bi like business intelligence and all of your email as, as well in there so there's some significant advantages to moving to the cloud because you can get a lot more products for less the i guess the tipping point is if you're only going to use word excel and powerpoint and that's it um and you can get by with it and you could squeeze four years out of out of office 2016 then you might have a break-even point there but um you're kind of missing out. So now you, somebody could do that though, because I literally used 2007 until 2013. So right. it is possible. You could still get work done with an older version. Yep. But it is kind of nice to always know that you're you're always up to date on all your security patches, uh, features. You're you know they add in right. new features, you instantly have it with the Office 365. Yep. And one thing, I mean, it 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 really depends on your use case. I mean, at home. Not quite as big of a deal. You're using it to what? Do a resume, to do some papers or whatever. Mm -hmm. Not a huge deal. In a business like um, where, where I work, for instance, being on an older version of Office and having to inter interact with a lot of other agencies or, or organizations that are using a different version that are now sending a newly formatted Office document in cause problems, like, especially back like in, between the, uh, the earlier versions, like being on 2000, 2003 Office. And then getting an, a document yep. from Office 2010, the DocX. Oh. I mean, it wouldn't work without installing a separate converter. Oh, I, I totally understand what you're talking about there. Uh, we just 
we just at work updated from, oh, I believe they had 2010. I think that's what they had, and they finally updated Office 365. But we would constantly be uh, sent, you know, Word or Excel files uh, in our email from corporate, and it would say, uh, this was created with a newer version of uh, uh, Office. You need to convert it. It'll go through the conversion, and it'll say, some items were not able to be converted. Yeah. Great. So we're Screws not even getting exactly Fantastic. what we're supposed to be getting. Yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that the student, the educational edition for Office 365 is completely free. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, basically just need to dime. use a valid, you need to have a, a basically yep. a .edu email address and you can actually use this. It's a pretty incredible and deal. Yeah. A little hint out there for some of you. Now, I am a student, so I'm not doing it, but there are places you can get a free EDU email account. I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> So but, uh, I'm going to I'm going to retract a little bit and back up here because it says to enter a valid school email address. I don't know if there's additional verification after that. I yeah, know there I, wasn't there wasn't for me. Well, the only thing it did is it did. OK, I yeah, you are correct, because now I do remember that if I go online like at work or whatever and I put in my credentials, it directs me to my school's um, portal yep. and I log in through there. Then it brings me back. At home, it's automatic, but yeah, mm-hmm. when I'm doing it uh, from a remote uh, computer, it does make me do that. So, yeah, disregard what I said about the .edu. Just go to school, people. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Get it for free. Well, so you now, guys, for Office 365, you're very much pro-subscription-based, yep. if I'm understanding. I just kind of sat back and listened, because I myself, I don't use any of the Office products. At work, we do, but... I don't really look at it because I don't have any say in it, so I just use whatever's there. But the one I'm very familiar with is, of course, Adobe with their Photoshop Mm -hmm. CC um, or Adobe Creative Cloud, I should say. And that that could contain everything from Photoshop. I thought it was carbon copy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Everything from Lightroom, Photoshop, InDesign, um, you know, all of their full suite of products, and they've got different, different levels there. What I use on a regular basis, and this is actually a very contentious point for photographers right now is what they call their photographer's bundle, which is Lightroom, uh, Photoshop. Well, actually now it's Lightroom Classic, Lightroom Mobile, which is now light, just called Lightroom. Confusing, I know, but um, <laughs> then Photoshop CC. And then you also get the full version of the Adobe Spark software, which you can use on your phone and computer, whatever else, and some other little goodies in there too. That's $9.99 a month. Yep. And for myself, I looked at it and I thought, you know, I don't use Photoshop that much at all. A little bit here and there for some minor stuff. Most of my photo editing is done in Lightroom. And I was upgrading Lightroom every year at a clip of about 120 bucks a year. Every year? Yeah. Holy. You know, because I would, I would, they'd come <laughs> out with updates and, and it would be almost every year the new version would come out and maybe a year and a half. And I'd upgraded to the new version because they'd add new features and everything else. And finally, they came out with this you know, program because to purchase, at that time, the standalone Photoshop, you were looking at six to $900. Oh, yeah. You know, it's an expensive program. And Lightroom was another 100 and whatever on top of that. And I think when you upgraded, it was actually an even $100. And then they came out with this photographer's plan where for $9.99 a month, 10 bucks a month, basically... Or 120 bucks a year, you get the full Lightroom, you get the full Photoshop, 
and constant, like you guys were saying with the other software, constant upgrades, new features, everything else at a steady pace. Now, some would argue that with Adobe, that's made them lazy in introducing any big changes, although Adobe may have just blown that theory out of the water because they just, you know, we talked about it a few episodes back, some of the new uh, updates they did on a brand new release here just this fall, but... Right. There's a lot of people that are very upset about it because a lot of people would only upgrade once every few years, and they took away the option to have a standalone product that you could just buy and, and own. Yep. And so there there's a lot of contention there. I myself, I love the the subscription. I mean, yeah, it's 10 bucks a month, but I spend 10 bucks a month on stupid stuff anyways. And to get yep. the, the industry-leading tools that I need to do my job as a photographer... I'm happy to pay $10 a month and have everything up to date. So, And I, I have to concur here because I just, you know, I just recently I jumped onto the, uh, right. the Adobe Creative Crowd, Cloud bandwagon. Right. Luckily, right before they did the price change. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, it's still the same 10 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Um, being a former designer and for, you know, for web stuff and yeah. using Photoshop a lot to see that bundled in because I was after Lightroom. Right. I'm just starting to get into photography. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing in there yet, but I know what I'm doing in Photoshop. <laughs> right. And to have both of these available and have them up to date, uh, it's fantastic. Especially because yeah. Photoshop was previously unattainable for me. Yeah, unless I had it at work, because Adobe and their older products like the CS4, CS5, all yep. these in their license, they allow the primary user to have it installed on more than one device as long as they're not using it simultaneously. Right. So if I had it at work, then I could technically have a license to use it at home. That I mean, that's a long time ago at this point. Sure. And now that I'm on the Creative Cloud, it's great to have kind of the up-to-date software like you mentioned. And it, it, we're kind of seeing a trend here between these yeah. two topics. Office 365 and Adobe are both pretty big platforms. Right. And they have fairly expensive products for one-time purchase. And this has really made it attainable and it's yep. something you can actually budget for, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it's uh, I, well, I have to agree there. In the in the photo realm, there are other services that were strictly standalone that have started going that way too. A lot of people will say, "Well, I'm not going to use Photoshop anymore. I'm going to go to Capture One." It's called um, Capture One. Also, they have a standalone version you can buy. It's like three or four hundred dollars, if I remember right. I could be wrong on that. So, um, listeners, if I'm if I've got that price wrong, go ahead and correct me. But um, you, you can buy the standalone version, or they do have the monthly subscription model, and that gives you all the latest updates as they come out. You don't have to wait for an updated version to be released and everything else. So a lot more mm-hmm. of these services. I mean, we talked about it way back at the beginning of this show, even for gaming. Um, there's that service that I, I'd like to actually revisit and try out once I get my new machine here, and it's that Utomic and oh, yeah, um, sure. they're, they're, it's like a Netflix for gaming. You know, you just you pay a monthly fee, and you can download and play these games all you want. And you're seeing more and more of that happening. And I think as a business model for a lot of these software companies, it's the most sustainable business model to make sure that, that software stays around in the long term. You know, because on using Photoshop as, as an example, that's where they were running into problems is because, yes, it was expensive. So when people bought it, they made money, but yep. they also weren't upgrading regularly. They were upgrading once every three or four cycles, which means Adobe's putting out all this new effort and time and money into developing new software that wasn't being upgraded to. You know, they, they were only hitting parts of their demographic every couple of years. Right. And so this way they can make sure that, A, they can deliver the best possible product 
And B, they've got a steady income stream to help keep those developments going, help keep people employed, and help keep the innovation happening. Right. And now there's a whole, I mean, there are so many more servers, certain not servers, services that are available th through a subscription model. And I think, right. you know, as a society, we're used to, okay, we've got a Netflix subscription, we've got a Hulu yep. subscription, we've got, oh, Dropbox or any one of those kind of cloud storage based subscriptions. Um, Microsoft even has a subscription base for like Windows 10 Enterprise. And you can actually subscribe to your operating system. Um, other security solutions where it's really subscription based and um, it's just it's a model that seems to be working as long as the prices are reasonable. But really, I think it comes down to what are you trying to do with your system that you're subscribing to and weighing that kind of that cost benefit analysis. And I know, Dave, you and I disagreed a little bit on that, that Adobe one before. Right. Um, because it was kind of coming down between using Lightroom and whatever that was. Photoshop, uh, elements. Photoshop Elements. Yep. One was a one-time $90 purchase and one was a subscription. Yeah. So it's kind of a matter of... What are you trying to do? So right, clearly, different tools. Yep. right. You've got um, if you if you're after a tool or a service that you absolutely have to have, and they offer two models, run the numbers. How long do you think you're going to be reasonably using this software? And if it's if the answer is a long time, um, and you have to take those those upgrades into account and any kind of benefits that come with it, so there's no real true right or wrong answer with it. Right. But it's definitely, I think it's I think this cloud-based subscription services have made things more. Um, attainable mm -hmm. overall. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's letting people, more people get access to the high-end tools that, uh, you know, at one point were only, you know, pipe dreams for most. You know, these were just things that mm -hmm. fancy, rich professionals used, you know, because they had to. And now you see more and more people having access to it, more and more work and productivity happening. I know on the photography side of it, one could make an argument that, you know, now everybody has a camera, everybody has access to the pro tools, and so everyone thinks they're a photographer, and that's not the case because it still takes talent and skill on an individual's part. Just like any office environment or anything else, you still have to work hard and know what you're doing, but giving people access to those tools mean they no longer have to try and cobble something together, and I honestly think that subscription model like that probably has helped a little bit with the pirating, you know, where because it's so affordable sure. and easy to get a hold of, you're not seeing so many people, you know, grabbing pirated versions of Photoshop anymore because it's nine hundred dollars. They'll just spend ten bucks a month and get it, you know. Yep. And go above board. I was gonna say it also helps with uh, pirating because, being that it is a uh, subscription service, yeah, there is not that that just straight standalone disc version they can crack. Right. Uh, built into yes, you're able to download Photoshop and. Uh, you know, Lightroom, et cetera, to your PC. Yeah. But it's it's so ingrained in the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there's like so many calls that are going out and yep. that it will not run if any of these calls are interrupted. Right. Uh, again, I'm not a programmer, but that's what I'm assuming. <laughs> right, right. That, that's, uh, a, yeah, that's a good point, too, because, yeah, I know there's always uh, you know, authentication and verification stuff that's always running on there. So, mm -hmm. but uh, so as. As the three hosts of the Digital Suit podcast, I believe we all are in agreement here that subscription services are good mm -hmm. and they're probably going to be here to stay. What do you guys think? Oh, definitely here to stay. Yeah, here to stay. And I'd say probably in 90% in of the cases, uh, this subscription-based is, is definitely the way to go depending on the tools you're looking to use. But I'm sure there's some outliers that we aren't thinking about that are like, oh, yeah, that one's dumb. We should probably – that one should be a standalone, but – 
I, the I can't other, think of any off the top of my head. I can think of one piece of software that actually purchasing an outright would save you money over time, and uh, it's what I use to actually edit this podcast every week is um, a piece of software called Hindenburg Journalist Pro. Yeah. Now, it's, it is, um, I think you can rent it. <sighs> it was like 30 bucks for one, three months One month, or something. three months, six months, something like that. Um, or you could buy it outright, and I think it was like 300 or something dollars to buy it outright. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the student discount, it brings it down to like 220 Right. But I think overall, with with software like that, I, I think it probably would be better just to purchase it, yeah. Instead of to keep renting it, you know, every few months. Now, although if, it's the same thing, any upgrades and, and updates made, you're going to get everything on a subscription based right away. Whereas, you know, it depends on how their upgrade model is. So, well, unlike the other two, this is not a web based anything. Right. It's, it's strictly a, a download. And I believe you'd still, you know, when you purchase it, you still get the updates. Yep. And see, that's where like Photoshop and Lightroom and a lot of these other products, if it was a security thing, you'd get a free update. But for new features and new bells and whistles, you you had to buy that standalone product again. You know, mm-hmm. so that's where like Lightroom, I would upgrade it every year because they added four new tools in or they changed the way that, you know, this is done and. Oh, you know. Every year, though, Dave, that, that's crazy. I, I, I didn't know you were doing that. I think it was that's every year. Money. Maybe it was every other year. I, I can't forget. afford that. I got kids. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was before he had kids. It was when I started using it. I mean, I've been with Lightroom since the the first version, and um, I think the last standalone version was Lightroom Five, if I remember it. Maybe Lightroom Six. I forget. I think it was Lightroom Five and and a Photoshop CS Six. I think yeah. I think that's the latest versions of the standalone that will be the final versions. But um, but I've been on the Creative Cloud now for more than a year, maybe going on two years now. So and, and I've been happy with it. So all right, well that's our discussion, uh, listeners, on owning versus leasing software. Yep. There's if a- you have any input on this at all, definitely let us know. You know, we love feedback on it. And we'll hopefully we'll do some more discussions like this in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully it gets heated. Hopefully one of us is like very adamant against it. One of us is for it. So we get some <laughs> really good fighting going on. But we're all in agreement here. So yeah, I'll be the one in the <laughs> exactly. middle on those ones because one of you will be heated. One of you will be adamantly against it. So Adam, you're adamantly <laughs> against it. We'll just Perfect. whatever it is, whatever it is, you guys will just love do it. that. Love it. Jason brings the heat and all this be kind of like, yeah, whatever, man. You know what else is a subscription-based service that might be hurting things at the box office? Movie Pass. Oh, I hear oh. it might be going the way of the dodo. Yeah. Movie Pass? Movie Pass. Yeah. We talked about it in an earlier yeah, episode. Yeah, I remember it, but it's, it might be going away now. Yeah, that's the latest headline I read. Is that why you brought it up, Dave? No, I brought it up because I think all these people using MoviePass for $9.99 a month are taking money away from the Justice League box office. (laughs) Possibly. That's what I think. I'm blaming it on that. So, yeah, what happened with the Justice League box office? Well, not much. I mean... Yeah, not very much at all. We say that, but wait till we give you this number. They're saying it's coming in at a disappointing 94 to 96 million, depending on the article you read, after opening weekend. So based on what people are saying, you know, the the box office experts or, you know, movie industry is saying that people are still sour on DC. Um, Wonder Woman didn't save DC, all of this. Justice League is horrible. From everything I've seen from people who went and saw it, they said they didn't hate it. They said it was a lot of fun. A lot of people enjoyed it and liked it. Uh, hmm. 
But it was so expected wonder, to do like 110 million on opening weekend. Yeah. Uh, so if people liked it, I wonder what kept, uh, you know, so many, you know, superhero fans from going to see movie this. pass. They I went. Don't... I think they went and saw it, but they just didn't have to pay for it. That's I would my love story. To see how many people actually <laughs> subscribe to uh, movie pass? Chris, uh, Chris over at at the official Gonna Geek show, and and of course all things good and nerdy. It's his fault because he's a movie pass user. You went and saw Justice League, Chris, and you didn't pay, so you're the reason it didn't hit 110 million. I honestly think I, I'm wondering though because I did see you know it's not like it got the same reviews as Thor, which was just absolutely glowing reviews. Everyone loved it. But everything I'm seeing said, you know, people, even that people that kind of expected to hate it are saying, you know, I didn't hate it. It was it was decent and it was fun. But I, I wonder if it's not a timing thing because it's coming out sandwiched right between Thanksgiving holiday, people getting ready to go. Um, you've got Thor that just came out a couple weeks ago. So that's still very hot in the box office. All the hype leading up to Star Wars. And let's face it, going to the movies is not cheap. And I think a lot of people look at it and kind of have to say, well, I'm going to spend so much on movies this month. Do I want to see Thor and Star Wars or do I want to see Justice League and Star Wars? You know, whatever it is. And I think some people mm-hmm. are picking and choosing. Well, let's right. let's let, let's break this down here a little bit uh, because, it yes, it did. It, yeah, it did. Oh. Ninety six. <laughs> it did ninety six million dollars on its opening weekend. Yeah. The DC movie of late that has said to have been the best DC movie released since probably what the Dark Knight was Wonder Woman. Yep. Which only did a hundred and three million. Yeah. So that's I mean it's, it's not, not that that's far only, off. Yeah, that's only seven million difference. But and that was a movie that was said to have been fantastic. It was now yeah. Bat Batman versus Superman, which was panned by so many. Did 166 million right. its first weekend. And then let's take a look at another DC superhero movie that I still haven't watched because everybody said how horrible it was. Suicide Except Squad. Me. Except you, yeah. 133 million. Yep. So so Suicide Squad, which a lot a lot of people, not Dave, would classify this as probably one of the worst DC movies of late did way better than Justice League, did way better than Wonder Woman, which is said to have been the best DC movie of late. Right. So these numbers are really weird here. And maybe it's like Dave said, maybe it's a whole timing thing. Maybe people got superheroed out because everybody and their brother went three times to see Thor. Well, and, and now they're like... You had Wonder Woman recently. You had all the... Su- we had a lot of superhero movies this summer and this year, and there's still more to come. Well, Justice League is the last superhero movie this year, and then Black Panther from Marvel comes very soon. But it's a lot of superheroes. This is the last one of the year, I think. And so it could be that. But, you know, they did they did a lot of marketing for Justice League um, as far as trailers and stuff out there. But it seems to me... I, something just occurred to me when you were talking about it is I seem to remember seeing... A lot more hype as far as just general advertising everywhere you looked. A lot more hype for Batman v Superman because that was a long time in the making. Oh, that was huge, yeah. And everyone yep. wanted to see that. Wise. Yeah, they wanted to see that marquee matchup of Batman versus Superman. And that was a big deal. That was promoed for a year in advance, heavy. Wonder Woman promoted pretty well. Suicide Squad, though, was also promoted pretty heavy. 
it doesn't seem to me like they did as much promotion of Justice League. That could be in part because of all the reshoots and everything they had to do with the the director switch at the end with Joss Whedon coming in to finish it. And because um, of and the tragedy stuff. And how much of how I'm trying to word this properly? Do you think the amount of CGI that they showed in the trailers hurt it at all? Mm. I unlike don't know. Avengers, uh, unlike I don't know Wonder uh, Wonder Woman might have had some. Batman versus Superman showed a lot of CGI yeah. in the trailers, but he, he, when I think of the, uh, you know uh, Marvel shows, yeah. you know like the Avengers and stuff, it just seems like they do their CGI way better. I don't know. It seems more rooted into reality, where like Batman versus Superman, especially the ending was just so far out there, so far CGI. You know, uh, it was it was a lot like uh, This is the End, right. which I know Adam just started watching uh, yeah, don't give it know, recently. But, I mean, that was a very CGI uh, movie, you know, towards the middle, you know, and ending and stuff. But I think some, you know, people are, yes, you want to, li- you know, want to see a fantasy movie. You want to see, you know, get away from reality. But when... It's set in reality, but it it is so CGI that it looks so fake. I don't know if that hurts it or not. Like, well, like Aquaman riding on the Batmobile with the explosions and stuff in the back. It just it looks so it. fake. To me, though, it that just scene looks... got me pumped up. I was like, "Yes, I love it." I was all, <laughs> all right. I, I'm totally the opposite of you, I guess. I just yeah. I don't like to. I like I, just, I, I like really good special effects that you don't yep. know a hundred percent that they're special effects. Oh, I agree with you there. I hear you, Jason, too. I and sometimes that can really distract because I, even the scene in the preview for Justice League where um, Aquaman's falling, you know, and all of a sudden Cyborg comes up and catches him. And he's like, "Ride's not over yet." It's like so you're using your regular speaking voice while you're flying through the air. Wouldn't you at least be yelling and it sounds yeah. windy? He's I mean, it's just little, in his ear. little things like that always bug me probably too much. So I know kind yeah. of what you're saying, Jason, too, that it, it's like, yeah, eh, it looks Well, you, you guys are both exactly right because any time, and I think I'd written about this actually on my website for my photography site, my blog there, uh, a little while back about any time you're looking at um, a, a photo or a movie or a TV show or something like that and you're noticing the special effects, it, it does absolutely take you out of the story. Um, you know, which which means that you are creating that wall or breaking that wall actually for you know for your viewers where it's like oh we're seeing the processing here we're not seeing what you're trying to tell us but sure. as a superhero movie I expect at- there to be a certain amount of that because clearly there can't be you know this stuff happening in real life. You know, you're not going to see flying people around and things like that. So. Yes, we are. You just have to believe. <laughs> Wrestling's not fake. <laughs> yeah, we can't all be Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. Yeah, he's, he's been in, uh, he, you know, he was in Star Wars, which I'm going to, you know, that's what I was going to mention. Look at the original Star Wars. Yeah. N- not not episode one, episode four, the real Star Wars. Right. Yep. Um, <laughs> take a look at that one. We know that there is not all these space battles up in space. There yep. is not these TIE fighters and these X-Wings flying around. But they they did not look CG, which they weren't, of course. They were right. models. Practical effects, yeah. Yep. But it, it, it didn't look fake. It looked, you know, as a kid, we're watching these like, 
wow. <laughs> you know, right. this this is cool. Where, you know, kids today are watching Justice League with Aquaman on the Batmobile, you know, with all this crap in the background. Well, let me and say this, like, though. The, the key phrase that you said, though, is as kids we were watching. Because I'll tell you what, my son is five. And he loves the Power Rangers. And if you ever want to see something with horrible effects, I mean, it's it's yeah. it embraces it. <laughs> it's, it's a guy campy. in a suit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they really cheese it up. And he loves it. To him, it's real. He's just like, wow, did you see that explosion? Whoa, this is amazing. Kids today are going to look at Justice League and think that same thing. Wow, did you see that? Batman was flying all over. Superman was doing this. And the same way that we did as kids looking at Star Wars or Goonies or any of these other movies, because as kids, you view it a little differently. And I think maybe that's why for me, as much as I hate to admit it, when I watch these movies, that's still the kid in me that's like, I don't care if the effects are bad. It's just so cool to see Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman all together, you know, all of this stuff. And I think as adults, we get so jaded to it a little bit where it's like, well, this you know the the special effects here were a little bit heavy-handed and this and that but and we we lose that ability to sometimes just turn off and just have fun and realize like when we were kids we would have never dreamed of seeing a motion picture of any of these superheroes right i remember having a conversation with my brother once on wouldn't it be cool if they made like a movie about the hobbit but it had like graphics as good as they did in terminator 2 right and then it was like happened. groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah. And so then yeah. here I am today, like, eh, it looks fake. Yeah. The CG is <laughs> a, the, the lighting and the polygon yeah. hexagon, hexadecimal spots and whatever they use. Right. <laughs> so, so your whole life, Adam, Bilbo Baggins was a hero to you, wasn't he? Oh, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Han Solo was always a hero to me. Mm-hmm. Well, naturally, because it's Harrison Ford and. Sometimes he just has to be the hero. We've we've talked about this before, where he like rescued somebody, and, and while well, he was flying his helicopter or his plane or whatever. Yeah, a couple like, times. Oh, yeah, there's Indiana Jones. So now it sounds like he did it again. Jason, tell us a little bit about it. I know nothing about this. <laughs> okay. I love it how Adam's like tag not it. So <laughs> no, no, I, I'll take it. I'll take it because I've I read the article. Yep. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean. So uh, he's a he's the man. Let's just let's say that. Yeah. So. Um, Harrison Ford's driving down a California road. He saw a woman lose control of her car and hit the embankment. And so he and some other bystanders helped her get to safety before paramedics arrived. Um, uh, but he's also on video um, in September directing traffic in New York City after cars got backed up in the Midtown <laughs> I'm Tunnel. I'm watching this video and he's yeah. just like yelling just... at yelling at the people in the car and he's and he ripping said, their doors open. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> when he's yelling, he sounds like this, go, you know, get in my way. <laughs> You gotta go the other way. I didn't do that. That's how he sounds. <laughs> you guys, you guys have never heard the the Ralph Garman Harrison Ford impression. How he just mumbles all the time. Uh-uh. Man, that joke just yeah. flopped. Any any listeners out there that listen to <laughs> any listeners that listen to Hollywood Babylon with Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman will know exactly what I'm talking about with that Harrison Ford impression. So I am not crazy. If you guys have heard it, send in a clip to Jason and Adam of them doing that on the on the Hollywood <laughs> Babylon show, and uh, let them know I'm not crazy. But yeah, Harrison no, Ford. You are crazy. Though, but... All right. He, re- he he saves so guys, a woman. He I wanna, directs I wanna, traffic. He's a man. Yeah, he does it all. He gets stabbed by his fake son in Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, spoiler <laughs> alert. Rylo um, Ken. Oh, I can't believe you just did that. So, so real quick, because we are we're getting a little long in the tooth here. Yeah. Um, yes. Animal Crossing is coming to iOS and Android. Yeah. 
Jason, you used to play this a lot, right? I, I was a big fan of it on the uh, the GameCube was the system that first had it. Yep. So I had it on there. I had the DS version, and I had the original Wii version, too. It's, it's a fun little game, and it's it's going to be perfect for uh, portable gaming here. It was on the uh, the original Nintendo uh, DS. It's going to be yep. great on Android. It's just one of those games where you go around and you... You know, you collect things, you know, it's collections. You collect bugs, you collect fish, uh, leaves, um, all that kind of, it sounds so <laughs> sounds stupid. Awesome. I know it's, it's, it sounds stupid, but it's perfect for, you know, these devices here because it's a quick, you know, oh, hey, I got five minutes. I'm going to play a quick game here. All right, I'm out. Mm -hmm. um, my mother was a huge fan of this game. Uh, she played it. I when I went to go visit her, I brought my GameCube at the time. Yeah, and I let her play it. She then went and bought a GameCube and the game. It's the only game she owned for the no GameCube kidding. because she loved it <laughs> and she played it constantly. It's just it's, it's it's a fun little game. But now it's hey, it's coming to you know iOS and Android, so everybody gets to play. Are you gonna get her set up on her phone? She has a uh, Kindle Fire, so if it's in the Kindle store, um, she could get it. But if it's just in the Google Play store, then she's out of luck. Ah, uh, okay, okay. But yeah, so there you go, man. Absolutely. And in the last bit of gaming news you had, Jason, you wanted to just touch base real fast on an expansion super late to the game. Yeah, I just I, I, I when we saw this title, I started laughing. Titan Quest, a game that came out 11 years ago, is a lot like uh the games like Dungeon Siege and Diablo. Uh one of those they're just called dungeon crawlers. Right. And it was a fun little game. I I played it. it. I got it when it came out. I played it for a while and then, you know, I just, you know, stopped playing it. I don't even have it anymore. Through all my moves I've lost it. But the big news is all of a sudden 11 years later uh, they've come out with their first expansion pack for it. <laughs> well, you know, better late than never, right? It's about I, I, time. I guess. Uh, does it upgrade the <laughs> graphics? Uh, didn't look like it. It just looks like it's all new content. Well, it's good to see your company <laughs> take their time to get something right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the new uh, the new service pack for Windows Vista. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finally the, get that thing working properly. The new properly. Creator, creator's <laughs> it's update. It's going to be great. So if any so of our Dave, listeners happen to be, sorry, Adam, I apologize, no. but if any of our listeners happen to be Titan Quest fans, did I say that right? Titanfall? I, oh, I'm thinking of Titanfall, but it was Titan, Titan, Titan Quest. Titan Quest, yep. Yeah, Titan Quest fans, <laughs> and you're going to get the expansion. Let us know what you thought of it, because yeah. it'd just be interesting to see what an 11-year-old game's uh, you know expansion might look like. <laughs> Sounds good. Now it's time for a little Gunna Geek action. Dave? Yeah, this week we want to talk about, of course, the Gunna Geek Network, where we are a proud member of the podcast network. We want to talk about the show Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., and their episode number 217, The Inhumans, and finally, Black Bolt, it was called. Um, <laughs> Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. director, Stargate Pioneer, Agent Lauren, and consultant Michelle discuss The Inhumans' final episode, and it's titled, and finally, Black Bolt. They also run down the Marvel News Roundup and discuss listener feedback. Specific topics include Inhumans only understanding Earth's TV references, uh, Louise and Medusa shipping The Inhumans' external threat, Rating Black Bolt on a scale of 1 to 10, Michelle's mom's NSFW reaction, and the host's reaction to the recent Marvel-related sexual harassment. So all of that up there, you can find it at GunnaGeek.com over at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So check that out. Sounds good. Now, I believe it is time for... 
the weekly garnish. Absolutely. That was a made-up baseline. <laughs> I liked <laughs> it. I don't know where I was going with it. That works. So, and Dave, this, you've got the weekly garnish. I do. I'm going to send you guys over. The link is in the web. In the show notes, listeners, please do go check this out. The website is called Twisted Sifter. They get points with me already because it's a, a fun reference to that 80s group. But this is one of the most mesmerizing things you're going to see. There's a photographer Whoa. out there whose name is Ray Collins. He takes these absolutely amazing photographs of these large waves out on the ocean and things under dramatic mm -hmm. conditions and all of that. Photographs themselves I could stare at all day long because they are absolutely beautiful. And another artist, and I don't know how to pronounce the last name, Armand D-I-J-C-K-S. Um, Digix. Digix, yeah, I'm not sure. But Armand, he is one of these uh, kind of experts in creating cinemagraphs, which if you're not sure what that is, it's essentially a photograph that is, uh, had some minor repeated movement occurring to form a video clip. So in this case, because it's these waves, he's actually put the waves in motion. And so when you look at him, you see these amazing waves, these photographs, where the water looks to be just in perpetual motion, but that wave just never quite crashes. And so... When you look at these, just get ready to spend a good amount of time just staring at them because they are absolutely beautiful. The colors and toning are stunning. perfect. Yeah. I mean, they are just They're amazing. fantastic to look at. And the way the water's moving, um, it just you know makes you feel like you're just watching this wave crash forever. You know, and there's numerous <laughs> examples here. Plus, their websites are linked in the article over at Twisted Sifter as well. So huh. you can um, go see even more of this work. So... They did put together a Vimeo video showing it all also. It's about a seven-minute long video. So be sure and check that out, and you can just say thank you later. These pictures make me want to grab my board so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you were really into taking psychedelic drugs, this would be the best sight of all time. Right? You could just stare at these. These are incredible images. Uh, I'm not That's into cool, taking any drugs of any cool kind, garnish. and I've been... Oh, NyQuil, maybe tonight. Yeah, yeah, that's about it. But I've been just staring at these since I saw this link the other day. I mean, they're just amazing. amazing. Well, that's awesome. Um, anything else, gentlemen? Well, yeah, we need uh, that riddle. Read that oh, riddle yeah. again because I have my guesses. Read it. So the riddle was, I pass before the sun, but leave no shadow. What am I? And by sun, it was the flaming ball of gas, not a child. All right, and I got two guesses. Do you want to go first, uh, Adam? Um. No. Okay. Well, my first my first guess, and I don't think this is it, just because of the wording. Um, but I'm gonna say time. In time passes. Okay. My second one is air or oxygen. Mm, I'm gonna have to say incorrect. I think you got him on a technicality there, though. The wind. Yeah, the wind is the answer. <laughs> Oh, that is air. Kind of moving air. Yeah. Is it the is it is the wind really the answer? The wind is really the answer. Yeah. Which oh, I'd give that one to Jason. I, I'll yeah. give it to you. Which because Jeez. I'm going to give it to you because of this one logic. I don't like either of those answers because the more I think about it, there is no air or wind in space to pass before the sun. That's on Earth. But from our perspective, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's about true. Ah. Yeah. Well, we'll, also, we'll give it to you. Uh, Wonder Woman's invisible plane. Would not yeah. cause a shadow. I saw the best meme ever. They said, what if, because Wonder Woman can fly, you know, what if all this time we thought she was in an invisible plane and she's just messing with us, flying as if she's sitting like that? 
<laughs> Classic WW. Yeah, just think of that. All right, guys. So if you're interested in finding out more about the Digital Soup Podcast, digitalsouppodcast.com is the place to go where we've got links to all of our social media accounts. Um, we've got links to all the major subscription services for podcasts if you want to subscribe to us, if you're just casually listening. Uh, be sure to drop us a line on Facebook or Twitter. Hit that subscribe and like button wherever you see us and uh, leave us a review if you feel so inclined. We would love to to see some more uh, listeners come into the fold here and we'd love to have some dialogue with you guys um you know on some of these topics today we had quite a few of them the subscription-based model versus buying your software outright um what do you think about the security on those smart watches you know let us know and uh from all of us at the digital suit podcast all of you we'll see you next week have a good one take care guys later gators later gators <laughs>